You're listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. topic, but this topic is very imperative for you to fulfill your destiny to get into that land flowing of milk and honey. It's really a land of abundance where the scriptures tell us this land has houses you didn't build, vineyards you did not plant, and wells that you did not dig. In other words, God has prepared a land for his children that is a place of abundance, not just in the sweet by and by, but in the day-to-day life of his children. So for God to live big in me, we have to do our part, and that's the miracle, right? It requires two parts, your part and God's part. And you have to learn something about faith today that I have learned after many years of this topic and preaching and studying this topic. But if I can simplify this topic to you, faith is a reaction to something. Many people don't know, but they operate in faith all the time. When you came into this church today, you operated in faith by sitting in that chair. You had faith that whoever built that chair, welded those legs strong enough, made them correct, had the seat correct. There was no weird thing poking there, out of there. You took a seat without examination of that chair because you had faith that we had provided a proper seating for you. That's a faith. It's a reaction to knowing that we provided something for you. So what is the reaction when you're talking about having faith in God? The Bible says, have faith in God. God. Say it with me. Have faith in God. It doesn't say try to have faith in God. It says have faith in God. How many know you try diets? It doesn't work. You try low-fat cottage cheese. Disgusting. You try sugar-free stuff. Gassy. I don't know that from experience, but... The scriptures are clear to have faith in God. So what he's talking about is having a proper response to something. When you talk about having faith, how is faith defined? Because faith is responding to this fact. Here how I would define it. That God loves me, that God's for me, and he's not against me. See, that's responding to something. That's having faith. But before I can respond to that, I've got to realize first that God loves me, he's for me, and he's not against me. That's a response to God. That's how you live in faith. Most people don't respond that way because they don't think God's for them. They think God's against them. They don't believe that God truly loves them because they say things like, if God really loved the world or loved me, why have I went through all this difficulty? But faith, there's a reaction to something. Do you know worry is faith in reversed? Worry is the enemy's way of you operating in what God ordained from the beginning. God wanted his children to live by faith and not by sight. But the enemy comes along and counterfeits it and says, no, no, you need to worry. If you've ever worried, how many of you ever worried? Can I see your hand? The rest of you are lying. (laughs) Worry is faith in action, but it's the opposite way. It's like having a record player, and some of you don't remember what a record player is, the eight track. No, how many of you know a record player, if you spin the record the right way, it plays the record. If you turn the record backwards, you've got yourself a country song where you get your dog back, your cat back, your house back, you get your wife back, because country songs usually about, I lost my wife, I lost my dog, I lost my house, now I'm drinking my sorrows away. But faith is a reaction to God loves me. He's not against me. He's for me. 
Worry is a reaction of faith in the system that has been established by what I'm seeing. See, that's faith in action, but it's in the wrong direction. It's like spinning the record backwards and not moving forward. So think about what I'm saying, because there's a man in the scripture by the name of Abraham. Abraham, the Bible calls this guy the father of all who believe. So if you and I have believed in Jesus Christ, it is because a man by the name of Abraham. He is the father of all who believe. And by Abraham, the Bible says it, he did something because faith receives it as it's from God. So think about if I'm going to respond to the fact that God loves me, he's not against me, and he's for me, then I've got to then receive it as it came from God. Most people act on something, but they don't receive something. In other words, they'll act on it, but they don't take the time in which requires receiving. So they'll act on something. Why do you think the enemy comes in with worry? Because you'll act on something, you don't receive it properly, now worry comes in and you've turned the record backwards. And the enemy has always tried to downplay what God wants his children to be operating in. And that's what faith is. It's responding to the fact God loves me, he's not against me, and he's for me, and it's receiving it as from God. So God says to this man, Abram, many of you don't know the story, but he tells this dude, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Not only will I make you the father of many nations, I'm going to bless your seed. And out of you, the, the, the descendants will come, kings and prime ministers and this blessed people. But he says something interesting. Your descendants, Abraham, will be like the stars in the heavens and the sands of the sea. Now think about that. Stars are heavenly, sands are earthly. Two different dimensions, God's talking about this man of faith and how he's going to operate and have people how they should operate. He says, out of you, Abraham, not only the stars of the heavens, but the sands of the sea shall people be operating in, meaning spiritual and natural. That's what that's referring to. But out of your seed, all the nations, not some, not partial, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he tells Abraham, just like he tells Israel, just like he tells you and I, I want you to take a journey. Take this journey into the unknown, but I want you to take this journey and I want you to leave some things behind. I don't want you to pack the Samsonite luggage. I don't want you to bring certain people on this journey. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to leave your father's house because he's in idolatry. And I want you to follow me into the land that I will show you. And Abraham, the Bible says, he started walking by faith. Why? He's responding to God, that God loves him, that he's not against him, that he's for him. So he's operating in faith that all men and women come to Jesus by and he's operating in this thing one step at a time toward his destiny that God has for him and the scriptures say something interesting that he gained his full inheritance how many of you know it's good to receive full inheritance how many know eight seven six cash need now you don't need you need it now some of you see those commercials eight seven six need cash now because you have an inheritance, you have an endowment, so you're not getting it. So you have to call the number, get the lawyer, because you need your cash. Because you haven't received your full inheritance. Do you know that God has a full inheritance for his children? Come on, help me preach it, somebody. A full inheritance. But think about this. He gained it when he did something. He gave up his rights to choose the land. Now, the Bible's an Eastern book. 
written by Jewish authors, not a Baptist in the bunch. How many know the Bible was written by Jewish men? And also Jesus was Jewish. Hello. He wasn't a Southern Baptist minister. He was Jewish. He kept the law of Moses, the Torah. He did that. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And in an Eastern society then and in an Eastern society now, when an elder comes in the room, not only are you to reverence and honor the elder, but the elder speaks first and makes the first choice. So Abraham being the elder, he has the right by law and by culture to not only speak first, but to make the first choice where he wants to go. But Abraham and Lot, that's his nephew, they get into a dispute. Their herdsmen, their families, they get into a dispute. So what does Abraham do? He gives up his rights to choose. Knowing he's the elder, knowing he has the right to call the land what he wants, but Abraham surrendered his rights. And he made a decision to let Lot choose. Now, Lot chose a different path. The Bible says he chose another part of the land called Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, you know, that's a bad choice then, and it's a bad choice now. People who choose that life and lifestyle, it's a devastating choice then, and it's a devastating choice now. When you choose the wrong path, no matter if the path leads you here or there, if you don't choose wisely what God ordained you to choose, it's the wrong path. Here's why I say it, because Lot means veil. Lot was a veil that hindered God from revealing to Abraham his full inheritance. So God releases Abraham's full inheritance because he gave up his rights and let somebody else choose improperly. And God said, hey, lift up your eyes. I want you to look north, south, east, west. All the land you see, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. The word Lot means veil, like a veil of a curtain. And Abraham had this guy around him. He didn't realize it, but it was a veil that kept him from getting his full inheritance. And as soon as God told Abraham, let him choose, let him choose what he wants. He yielded to that. He yielded because he's responding to God. And God said, I'm going to show you what things you've never dreamed or thought of. Houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig. But he had to give up something to get something. I say that because some of you have lots in your life that veil you from experiencing your full inheritance. People, circumstances, situations. The point I'm making is when you give up your rights and you give up what you think you deserve, God gives you more than you possibly dreamed or imagined. And sometimes God takes people away from you so he can show you what he has for you. And sometimes we, we hold on to that. We hold on to that person. We hold on to that circumstance. And God's saying, no, let them go. And there are some people in your life that are veils, that are keeping you from experiencing the perfect will of God and operating in faith. If God is trying to let somebody out of your life, let them. Let them, have, let them have it. Let them go. And if God is trying to bring someone in your life, receive them. Can I get a witness this morning? Some of you are looking for, you know, a spouse, a husband, or a wife. I, I say that because you shouldn't find the, the hookup up in the club. You shouldn't be finding people up in the club. You need to find them in the church house. Just my opinion. But, but when you have an opportunity, some of you go to church to church because you're single and you're ready to mingle. Hey! 
You come up, watch the worshipers, and you see them start to worship. You go, that dude looks pretty good. That girl looks pretty good. Let me see the the hand. And it's always, isn't it, men, ladies, isn't it when you're looking for somebody, it's always they're worshiping with the right hand. You're like, I want to see the ring hand. So they're like worshiping their hands like this, and they're all this with the right. And you're like, no, no, show me the left. Show me the left. Then you see the hand come up of the left. You all rebuke you, Satan. There's a ring. Some of you don't have to lie to kick it. That's why you're here. So we will not have a singles ministry. Trust me, don't even ask. But my point in all that is if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're looking for a husband and wife, you've got to be friendly. Men, if you're looking for somebody significant, clean it up. Shave the woolly mammoth beard you may have. Brush the teeth. Get pants that fit. Ladies, I would encourage makeup. Some of you need a lot of it. I know. Men, I encourage you to straighten up your shoulder. Don't look down. Straighten up. Look like you got it together. Ladies, I'm all for dresses, but don't keep them way down here. And don't put them way up here. Find a happy medium. If you want to hook up, show yourself friendly. And I'm not talking about evil hookup. I'm talking about connections in the spirit. I'm saying that because you can't go around all the time looking like a bulldog baptized in lemon juice. I'm single. Like, we know why. I'm just waiting for God. I was like, I have nobody for you. (laughs) What's the makeup counter? Euphora? Sephora? We're going to give you, that would be our guess. Some of you, if you get things for Sephora makeup, you know why. Oh, that's terrible. I know. I'm sorry. Now stop and think about this, all joking aside. And remember, these are just jokes. It's not real. So you're thinking, it's real. No, I'm joking. It's not real. Okay, anyway, let me move back. Let me, let me turn the record back, you people. <laughs> I'm joking. It's not real. You're thinking I'm picking on you. I don't know. I don't know. You should see yourself beautiful. Now stop and think about this. God loves all people. He thinks everybody's beautiful. Some of us struggle. Now stop and think about this. Why do people begin, I gotta get a hold of myself. I have more jokes here, but I don't think you can handle them. I think you're just way too spiritual for me today. (laughs) Homely at the cradle, ugly at the table, I said it. Okay. But stop and think about this. Why do people become content to go in circles? Because they lose sight of the goal. They lose sight of the goal. The children of Israel, they get out of Egypt, but they forgot about Canaan. They forgot about the land that God had promised them for 430 years of not just enough, not lacking, not having enough, but a place of more than enough. They forgot about Canaan. It was in that direction. Canaan was the goal, but they were travelers who became tramps because they came, became content with the familiar. 
They were married to a routine and they got into a rut. That's a grave with both ends kicked out of it. And they were literally addicted and adjusted to the wilderness and they forgot about the land flowing with milk and honey. Have you? Have you forgotten your dream? Have you forgotten what God's called you to do, what he's put you on this earth to do? Have you forgotten your goal? God is saying through this message, turn north, turn north, turn north. I want you to do something you've never done before. And your response, I like it out here. I like the grit. Remember the tattoo of the scorpion and the snake? That's part of my struggle. Because I like the heat. I like the dirt. I like to have mokos the size of basketballs. I like it. I like it. I like it out here. I like being having just enough because it keeps me humble. This is the best life. No, it's not, silly. God has a better place for you. Stop going in circles. God is looking for a people will not only ask for the best, but receive the best and give up what's good to receive God's best. He's looking for a people, a king and a priest of the most high God. Those type of people he's looking for. He's looking for a people who will recognize right now that they are royalty. Not in heaven will they be royalty. They're royalty right now. He's looking for a special people, a separated people who will love this world no longer because they washed by the blood of the Lamb of God and they're anointed by the power of God. A people who will love each other and in love with God. A people who will not be easily offended who will not belong to the political correctness of this world a people who are saturated with God and his anointing and his authority and who they trust in no other but God and God alone in other words a people who will turn loose the world turn loose their fleshly desire turn loose the devil and pursue the purposes of God like a fire that shut up in their bones now, let me close our time because you see, I got back to the anointing. But let me close our time and let me give you four things that are, are, that are essential for you to be successful. These four things, I will tell you as sure as I'm handsome. And remember, G, Jennifer stalked the handsome guy. She literally moved to the street I moved on. That's the way I tell the story. She may have already lived there, but anyway. I tell people, I moved to this house, and then this lady began to stalk me, and then she moved there. That's not how it happened. But this September will be 23 years of making out, hanging out, loving. I'll, I'll move on. But these things are essential for 2023 to be successful. The first thing that I would say that is an essential part of a Christian's life is to read. How many of you know leaders are readers? But what shall I read, Joey? Thank you for asking. You shall read this. This is the basic instructions before leaving this earth. This is what we're to read. The other books are, are, are wonderful when we read novels or different things or different books on subjects of the Bible. Those are fantastic. But it should never neglect the basic instruction before leaving this earth. I say that because whenever a man or a woman refuses God's, uh, when they refuse God's word, what happens is they disqualify themselves from supernatural intervention. They do. 
and you simply cannot help someone who refuses to accept scriptural solutions to their problems. It's true because everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but not everyone is entitled to their own truth. There is a difference between truth and opinion. The problem is when people think their opinion is truth. Mic drop. Because what happens is we live in a society now and the voice, and this is, I'm not making fun of it. This is just how I interpret it, and it's my party, and I'll say it like I want. But anytime they start doing that, you hear them with their octave and their tone chain, and they go, it is my truth. This is my truth. So I'm living in my truth. Usually it's followed up by a card that comes out that says victim. And we are not victims. Come on, help me preach it. We are victorious. In Jesus, if we're living by the standards of the world, then I'll join them with the weird lingo. This is my truth. This is my truth. You can't take away from me my truth. Yes, I can, because truth is not what I say it is. Truth is not what I think it is. Truth is what the word of God says it is. It's plain and simple. I don't like some things in this book because, man, if he wrote it, he would have been a lot easier on himself. Trust me. But think about this, because the Bible tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not some of it, not New Testament only, not red letters only. From Genesis to Revelation, every bit of that book is God breathing to his children, telling us how to live, what to stay away from, what to embrace, how to walk, how to have purpose, how to have dignity, what to stay away from, and what to lean into. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instructions, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, when a contractor takes out a piece of lumber and he puts the lumber on the ground and he gets this leveler out and he realizes the the lumber is crooked, he doesn't throw the leveler away. He straightens out the lumber. And most of the time, we do the opposite. When something is crooked, we take out the leveler and we throw it away. And the the opportunities for us to straighten ourselves out are not found in man's philosophy. The Bible tells us the world and its wisdom does not know God. So Dr. Phil, he may have a weird uh, voice. But his philosophy, if it's not right here, It's not going to help me in my eternal destiny. Joey's philosophy, as amazing as sometimes it may sound, if it's brought out of me and not out of him, it will not help you. It may entertain you. Hey. How many know the jokes are entertaining? Thank you for all one of you. I guess it's not. But you have to realize God's here to straighten us out with his word, to make us complete in him. So when you read the book, the book starts to read you. And that's the beauty of God's word. It's alive and it's active and it's sharp and it cuts going in and it cuts going out. Then it brings healing. So there's a beauty in that. There's also a beauty not only when I read, but I begin to pray. Because when I begin to pray, God begins to act on my behalf. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing. In other words, don't take the record and reverse the order. Don't play the record backwards. Don't be anxious and don't be worrying. Be anxious and worry not for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication. What? With thanksgiving. That my requests are known unto God. What's the problem when I let my requests be known unto you? 
we can become really good friends if you meet my requests, or I never want to see you again. And then you avoid me and I avoid you because you could not meet my request. And what do we do? Let's just keep this a matter of prayer. Oh, I'm having this issue and I need this money and I need this and I need this and I need this. Would you pray for me, brother? Would you pray for me, sister? I need this, I need this, and I need this. And those things are fine in their proportion. But when you do that only and not take that here, those people are not capable of giving that thing over to where it needs to go. You need to give that over to God. God forbid the prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian and a prayerless Christian is in sin. The Bible says, God forbid that I would sin by ceasing to pray for you. The best thing we can be are people that are praying for for one another, that are praying for ourselves, that are praying for our city, praying for our nation, and praying for God's people to alive and be well. And prayer is not sending God out to run errands for us. It's really submitting to the purposes of God. It's submitting to the Father's will. That's the beauty of praying. But here's the third thing, and I could go on a long time about that, but here's the third thing that I think is imperative, essential for us to be successful. Not only pray, not only obviously read and pray, but how about give? And I'm not referring to money, so don't walk to the back door and say, he's talking, no, no, I'm talking about your life. Jennifer said it so beautifully earlier about when you give yourself away to something, you find true and total fulfillment. The greatest place you can be is in the servant's quarters of God. Because when you're a janitor for the joy and peace of God, you have all the keys to the rooms. And the people that don't serve and give, they find themselves constantly in wanting. Because the Bible says, give and it shall be given back unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the same measure you give, come on, preach with me, it'll be given back to you. So if I'm giving out laughter today, which I am beautifully am, thank you, it's gonna come back to me. Because you know what I need in my life? I don't need judgment, I need laughter and joy. I already judged myself way too harshly. I don't know about you, but I'm like, you suck! But if I give out finances, it comes back to me, finances. If I give out peace, guess what comes back to me? Peace. What you sow, you shall reap. If I give out mean, what's coming back? If I give out jerk, what's coming back? You guys are good. What I give out is coming back to me. That's why it's really important to give. The, the, the honoring God and the giving is really the form of worship because what you're doing throughout the week, you're saying, this is a worship person here. No matter if it's on Sunday, Tuesday through Bible studies, no matter throughout the week, this is my life and I give it to you. That's what giving is all about. Jesus said, the greatest among you is the giver and the servant of all. That's what serving it really is. It's about giving. And that's what Oasis is really known for in our community. And I give glory to God for that because this church is known for serving and giving. It's the heartbeat and the lifeblood of the church. It should be the amazing preaching, but it's not. It's offensive. But it's really the people that call this church home, they're givers. They give up their time, they give up their talents, and they give up their treasures. And I, I don't take that lightly. I count it as a very, very humbling, joyful thing to be a part of. So here's the last one. You getting something out of this today? All right, here's the last one because you got no place to go. The last one is shine. 
not only should I read, not only should I pray, not only should I give, but I gotta shine. The Bible says in Daniel 12, three, remember I told you about Abraham and I told you about the, the blessing of Abraham that would be upon the nations? And not only would it be upon the nations, but all who believe would come through this realm of Abraham. And listen to what it says about children of Abraham, which would be you and me, because we've been grafted in because of the taproot. We've been grafted in with the blessing and covenant of Abraham because of Jesus. But think about what this says in Daniel's 12, verse 3, when we're talking about the stars and we're talking about the sands, heavenly and earthly. Listen to what it says. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and forever. God wants his children shiny. He doesn't want them dimmed and dull. He doesn't want them worried and, and wandering. He doesn't want them led of some other voice. He wants them to listen for the still small voice. He wants his children shining. Listen to 2 Timothy 4, 5. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? The evangelist gathers people from all walks of life. The young, the old, the sick, the poor, the gang member, the entrepreneur. It gathers them all and it gives them a choice in which they will receive. It doesn't force them to receive. It gives them the choice of which to receive. That's the work of an evangelist. And it tells you and I to do that work. Endure the affliction and fulfill your ministry. Wow. You mean, Pastor, I have a ministry? You better believe you do. You can reach people that I'll never be able to reach. How do you think people come to the church? Because you invite them. And if you're shiny, people want to come. If you're dull, that's why the empty seats here, oh God. Where's my buffer? shine you up but the Bible tells us that the fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise so it tells us something amazing that if I'm going to shine it's going to be related to that which I'm shining for when Peter and John were at the gate of beautiful they received in Acts chapter 2 an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptized them. They began to speak in other tongues. And they were forever eternally changed because of an encounter in Acts chapter 2. But what's so beautiful about Acts chapter 2, ladies and gentlemen, is Acts chapter 3. Because Acts chapter 3 is the day after this amazing encounter. And the day after the encounter, Peter and John are going back to the house of God. They didn't go on a world book tour. They didn't go to a new church now because they've got a new revelation. They went back to the regular house of God, but they didn't come back the same. And they saw the beggar there at the gate of beautiful. And listen to what the scriptures say. The scriptures tell us what they told that man. Look on us. Look on us. They didn't say, hey, let me lead you in the Romans road. They said, no, look at us. Look at us. When the world sees you, 
the lost, the hurting, the dying, the ones that are suffering. That's why store the grain is essential. You take that food and you give that out to a people that need the hope of God. You take it and you give it. Why is it so important? Because when the world looks at you, they need to see Jesus in you. They need to see the hope of glory in you. They need to see a man of God, a woman of God that's filled with the Spirit of God, that's saturated with the joy of the Lord. Not someone that's, oh, I love Jesus. I'm just waiting for the rapture. I'm just so sorrowful. I've went through this and I've went through that. No, no, no. You give that over to the Lord. Let God begin to fight your battles for you. Let God make a way. Look at us. I say that because in closing, God has a beautiful understanding of church life that many Christians have no idea. And church is not a building. Church is not a denomination. Church is not brick and mortar. Church are God's people that represent Him. And in Revelation chapter 1, God is showing what a church is all about. And He says to the churches, and there are seven of them that he's talking about that represent the totality of what God's children are doing. And to simplify this matter, let me break it to you like this. He says to these churches, and remember, they're not buildings, they're people. He says, I've got an angel over every one of the churches. So be assured, dear heart, that God has a holy angel representing him, protecting you, because you are his church. Revelation 1. That's the beginning. And then he says, the church's representation are candlesticks and lampstands. A lampstand represents something that needs to be held up. If you have a lampstand, how many of you know you can have the lampstand? You've got to put a, a candle in it for it to light. And the Bible tells us that the candlesticks are his children. And if people like what that candlestick represents. Do you understand something, how essential you are, how important you are, how it is imperative that God lives so big on the inside of you that you say what you mean and you mean what you say and you live out in what you believe and you walk by faith and not by sight. Do you know how important this is? Because the scriptures say in Revelation chapter 1 that the candlesticks are his children. The lampstand is something that has to be held. The angels have to protect. And if people like the way that candlesticks look and they like the shininess of that candlestick, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you today that they'll look a little further and they'll see who's holding that, that candlestick. They'll see who's holding that lampstand. They'll look beyond you and see Him. They'll look beyond you and see Him. So get rid of the notion that I can't shine brightly because I don't want it to be me. Who else is it going to be but you? Who else is it going to be but me? Who else is going to tell them? Our blessed are the feet for those who preach the gospel of good news. How can they not hear if they don't have a preacher? How can they not see unless somebody walks by faith and not by sight? How can they not know unless somebody tells them in which way they should go? We stand together all over the building.
Thank you for listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are available. For more information, go to experienceoasis.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.